What's up, everyone? Welcome to post-game Locked On Bucks as Milwaukee pick up a much-needed win. And like we mentioned on yesterday's podcast with the loss to the Nets, practice your free throws, kids. The Bucks bounce back at the free throw line and they bounce back on the scoreboard. They beat a Hornets team that, let's be honest, has been struggling. But there was a few interesting things to talk about from this game. Giannis was excellent. Thanasis at the end, a huge dunk. Frank's man, Lindell Wigginton, unfortunately not great from the free throw line. But nonetheless, there's plenty to talk about. Javon Carter and DeAndre Bembry playing minutes. Anyway, let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show daily and find my work over at ESPN as well. And joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as the Bucks take down the Hornets 130 to 106. Of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day or first watch of every day, depending if you're on the, the traditional audio format or the YouTube platform. We don't care, though. We appreciate it all, Frank. And uh, we also appreciate when the Bucks win games. And we did discuss yesterday uh, this loss to Brooklyn. Um, maybe it was a good thing we didn't do a post-game pod just to let this uh, settle down a little bit. Clearly, the Bucks have... There's been some concern levels raised on this podcast. And to be fair, within the own Bucks locker room about the way the season has been trending, I think the word go time was used. People like to use the term flipping the switch. I'm not so sure personally that that's something that actually happens or you can do when you've had a season full of scratchy performances. But for tonight, at least, I will say, again, against a Hornets team that isn't that great, I would say the overall effort level of this team looks like a team that did want to make sure that they took care of business tonight against the Hornets and they needed to win. Yeah, I mean, it felt like once that second quarter hit... um... You know, it felt like a pretty cathartic second quarter. Bucks maybe letting out, you know, a little bit of the, I don't want to say frustration because it's not like you score points out of frustration per se. But, um, you know, it's 32-32. And I think, was it Grayson Helm that hit three straight? Was it basically three straight threes? I can't remember if he hit all the threes. He at least hit two of those threes. I think he might have hit all three um, to put the Bucks up 41-32. And then they kind of just rolled from there. And I thought... Um, you know, one of the things I always like to look at, especially when these games are blowouts, um, looking at the three-point shooting and, you know, was it just a win that was fueled by three-point shooting? And tonight, you know, Bucks obviously shot well from three. You know, you don't score 130 points typically without shooting pretty well from three, um, 18 to 45, 40%. But, you know, the Hornets were 36%, 14 out of 39. So it wasn't like that was purely the the reason for the Bucks win. And I think, you know, you look at kind of the rest of the box score, 17 offensive rebounds for the Bucks, 35% offensive rebound rate. Um, that was encouraging to see, just seeing them kind of get at it on the offensive glass. And, you know, people like to talk about, especially when the Bucks lose, like, oh, like, you know, there wasn't the effort, energy. You know, we, we kind of like try to 
suss out like aside from like you know the nights when they just can't make a three-point shot or something like that like what what's really going on right like what we're trying to diagnose the problem like, oh what's going on with the body language you know um and offensive rebounding is kind of an interesting thing to look at the, the hornets are obviously not a big team per se um but i think you know again the bucks have generally not played very big uh, this season right like compared to certainly the playoffs last year when you had obviously brooks starting and you had pj tucker who basically as like a jumbo shooting guard throughout the playoffs um wing shooting guard with with chris on the wing um they were they were big right um and even when they played quote unquote small they they actually were able to kind of still rebound and do stuff so seeing them kind of win the battle on the glass tonight i thought was an encouraging thing whether that was a proxy for their hunger to grind out a win after obviously a frustrating loss on saturday maybe maybe not but um but overall i thought you know the defense i thought was certainly better and you know hornets needed um hornets kept kept in the, some starters there for a long, long stretches of the fourth to claw their way to 106 points still i think a 103 defensive rating for the bucks which certainly is a much much more encouraging uh number to see than what they did in the last couple of games against brooklyn and and uh philly so um so yeah i thought you know just overall kind of just a sharper performance they actually made uh with the exception of lindell wigginton and one from the nasa they actually all made their free throws i think but they were like 26 out of 26 at one point Giannis was 14 out of 14 so i think just a much kind of sharper you know performance all the way around and that defensively they did a nice job you know Javon Carter, I thought, again, gave them a nice little defensive energy boost. Um, thought Bembry did some nice stuff. So, again, not, uh, again, Hornets team that's been struggling. Second night of a back-to-back. You are supposed to win this game. Um, but let's just say with the way things have been going and the way the Bucks have been overlooking teams or not getting up for teams that are in the kind of middle part of the standings, um, you know, I, I don't know that any of us were treating this as a gimme. And so, obviously, yeah, uh, we would say, especially with the week coming ahead and some of the teams up next on the schedule, this was a very important win to claw out. What about the fact that JT Thor was playing in this game while JT Orr was officiating? At some point, that caught uh, Marcus, and I, I thought they were joking, but I think that that's actually true. I think that's a real fact, which is uh, which is quite incredible. But anyway, Giannis, you spoke about the intensity, and there was a play earlier in this game where he thought that he got fouled, I don't know. The it was like twice. Like his first, he got fouled. Looked like he got fouled like twice in the early going offense on the, off, the offensive end, and no call. And obviously, he responded. He responded, and I, I thought that there was a chance he was going to get a tech because he kind of looked like he sort of threw a fist. He would look, the camera cut away, and I thought that he was going to like punch the, the stanchion or something was going on there. Next thing, he's running at full steam, which we have seen before, and usually it ends in a foul or something. Potentially, you know, you think, "Geez, I don't know how this is going to end." Plumley goes up for the dunk. Giannis blocks him, and quite honestly, I, I mean, he obviously got a fair chunk of the hand on the replay, whatever. But th- the fact that he came so hard with that block, I was actually stunned that the official didn't just automatically blow the whistle because it looked like such an aggressive block attempt <laughs> from Giannis to even try that. He gets that block. He pumps the fist again. He's going off. And at this time, I think that they were losing. Hornets hit a couple of threes to start the game. And I was thinking, well... Uh, at that point, I'm like, I don't really know which direction this game is going to go in because things things could begin to unravel a little bit. A little bit after that, Bobby Portis is getting into it with Kelly Oubre and he get, picks up a tech. And I was actually thinking to myself, I don't know where all this emotion is going. It looks like the Bucks are fired up. Maybe there's a bit of carried over frustration. 
Fortunately, as you said, the start of the second quarter, they hit those threes and then the game was never really a game. But there was an added edge tonight. I, I don't know whether it was frustration or whether it was locked in or whether they were feeling some sort of pressure. But there's no doubt that that type of stuff isn't... We haven't seen a lot of that from the Bucks over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting history with Charlotte. Obviously, you know, I think uh, most of us, unfortunately, can remember them going down for that back to back in Charlotte where they lose both games. Granted, I think it was Drew that was was injured at that point. So you had Chris and Giannis sort of having to carry the ball, a lot of the ball handling load and turning it over a ton um, in the process. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, like, is there, you know, like bad blood between these two teams? I don't, I don't think it's necessarily bad blood, but um, but there, you know, there's there's a bit of history and the, the Hornets have generally given the Bucks kind of all they can handle, including obviously a couple wins this year. Um, you know, Miles Bridges and Giannis are always trying to dunk on each other. Um, so so there's always that. Um, you know, Montrez Harrell now on the Hornets. We remember, I don't know, a few weeks ago, right? When he was on the Wizards, there was that hard foul on Giannis. Uh, Giannis got, got him back tonight with a, a big stuff at the rim. Four blocks, two steals for Giannis. Thank you to the scorekeepers for not uh, screwing Giannis out of any of his stocks tonight. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I do kind of wonder if, if maybe that, you know, those no calls early, like did that maybe give the Bucks and Giannis a little bit more of the energy aggression that was needed? Because I think that was the thing that really struck me about Saturday was it just felt like the Bucks were letting that game happen to them. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it just felt very much like, and we've seen this kind of repeatedly where it, it feels like the Bucks, especially with these third quarter problems, it just feels like the Bucks sort of believe that if they just sort of go out and go through the motions of how they play that, you know, good things will happen and they'll win and it'll be fine. And obviously, you know, there are nights when that, <laughs> that is not going to happen because the other team's making threes. The other team is for whatever reason, you know, really up for the game or playing with a bunch of aggression, energy, whatever it might be. Um, and it felt like on Saturday, Bobby was like the only guy giving that like fire and energy with all that three point shooting. And by the way, it's still crazy that the Bucks lost a game and went Bobby Portis hit eight three pointers. I mean, I was looking at the numbers at Chris Giannis, or sorry, Chris, uh, Bobby, and Drew, and I think they put up like seventy nine points on forty two shots or something crazy like that on Saturday. You know, Drew was seven out of nine. Chris shot well, uh, and obviously Bobby. And it's just kind of like, man, like how often can the Bucks lose a basketball game where those three guys? You know, we're not even talking about Giannis yet. Um, scored that effectively and obviously we know know it can happen but um but yeah i don't know something about tonight obviously the energy was was better and uh, kind of in their favor you know if if you caught charlotte at, at a different time is it maybe a little bit different i don't know but i think overall um you know it just felt like a it felt like generally kind of a bit of a sharper bucks team again there were still some occasional brain farts um that one, do you remember that one pass? It was like, I think maybe the second or third, it might have been the second quarter where Bobby was like in the middle and it, it felt like the whole, the whole possession just felt like the end of a blowout game, but it wasn't, it wasn't the end of a game yet. And Bobby like was at the top of the key and sort of like passed it. I think he was trying to pass to Giannis and he just sort of like threw it to nobody and like nobody was paying attention and it wasn't, didn't feel like they were in a normal set. I don't know. That was kind of like, oh God, guys, like. Seriously, like, can we just not have the brain fart turnovers? Like, I'm, I'm having a little bit of flashbacks here to, to Saturday. But but anyway, overall, uh, a needed kind of bounce back. And, you know, obviously, this is the game that you 
really should win the rest of the week. And now you have, um, I mean, as difficult a stretch, again, obviously getting a lot of these games at home helps here next week. But the fact that you're now getting Miami, Chicago, and Phoenix in a row, um, you you really didn't want to lose this game because you lose this game heading into that, you know, again, just, just making your life more difficult. And I mean, at, at some point, you know, this is kind of a, a broad question about like sort of the psyche of teams and professional athletes. Again, I'm not a professional athlete. No. Obviously watched the NBA for a very long time. I get people saying like the regular season doesn't matter and just fast forward and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I mean, at some point, it's good for athletes confidence to actually remember what it's <laughs> what it's like to win and be good and you know feel like you're actually clicking right i mean just the idea of the bucks and just sort of like stutter and stumble their way through the rest of the regular season and then in the playoffs like everything just snaps into place and you know you're firing on all cylinders like i i just don't think that's the way kind of teams and the human psychology and sort of the team psychology works i think you have to actually do it with some consistency at some point doesn't mean you have to go in hot into the playoffs or something like that necessarily, but I don't know. It just feels like we've seen a, there's so much inconsistency kind of game to game, week to week this season. And, you know, again, we thought maybe at the beginning of that road trip, things were turning around and kind of here we are. But again, um, you know, with this, with this schedule coming up this week, obviously a chance to erase a lot of the frustration and annoyance of the past um, couple weeks. If, if you can kind of get, kind of get the ship righted and, Again, not necessarily win the next three games, all of the three games, but I mean, if you take two out of three, I think you'd be very happy with that. Obviously, if you can win all three, then I think everybody's feeling very differently about, about kind of the way the Bucks are, are trending. It's been kind of the story of the season because when you talk about the West Coast trip, we were even at the time saying, okay, well, you won the first three games. That's kind of nice to rack up these wins, uh, but they've given up 125 points every single time they played. It was, it was was not perfect basketball, but I'm just looking at the standings now. I'm going to get to that in a second. But if you are betting and you're trying to figure out who's going to win the Eastern Conference right now, as I look at this, uh, this is absolutely absurd in the Eastern Conference standings. Who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs, but betonline.net has you covered. It's the best place for sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. We know football's done, but you can uh, look at basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, Vegas casino games, whatever you need. Uh, you'll be able to find it at betonline.net, the latest odds, totals, and player performance props. They've got everything for you there. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, also, don't forget to check out the Locked On Now podcast. Uh, you'll be able to hear me with a little rap of this dominant win over the Charlotte Hornets. And also, you'll be able to hear the sadness from our friends at Locked On Hornets. And you'll be able to hear everything else that went around uh, in the NBA tonight. So check out the Locked On Now podcast wherever you get your podcast. But as far as the standings do go, there were some interesting results tonight. Miami and Chicago actually played. Miami handled the Bulls, but the Cavs continued to slide a little bit. So the Bucks are in the top four right now, but of course that could change by tomorrow. Half a game ahead of the Cavs, game and a half ahead of the Celtics. They got three games on the Raptors, or let's say they've got three games on the play-in tournament. I know it's something that we've assumed is not going to happen all year, but they, as you said, they are playing a bunch of different teams. And when you talk about uh, the feeling of winning, I agree with you, which is probably this goes back to, I think it was you that brought this up, Frank, that uh, 
Stan Van Gundy, oh, not Stan Van Gundy, uh, Jeff Van Gundy was talking about the fact that he thinks a better, a more difficult schedule could be a bonus for the Bucks because I will say that I don't think this win tonight over the Hornets, I don't think any of the Bucks players are going to bed and feeling like, well, we're back, boys. We're beating the Hornets on a back-to-back. We're back, baby. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's walking away from this, and I don't think any of our listeners, uh, me and you, are sitting there thinking, well, thank goodness that rough patch is over. Now it's time to flip that switch and get serious. But this stretch over the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to know by the time the playoffs roll around whether we think that the Bucks are right in this or it's just like, well, let's cross our fingers and hope uh, hope we can get through this. Someone tweeted this, and I, I saw it, and I this was a few days ago now during the All-Star break, I think, and I just sort of looked at it, and I, I gave it some thought in passing. It was basically the idea that this whole season reminds me, not me, the tweeter, this whole season reminds the tweeter of the bubble where everyone's like, well, it'll be fine, we'll get to the playoffs, and then all of a sudden you just stink and you're kicked out. Now, clearly, it's a very, very different scenario but it has felt that a lot of this season we've been having the same discussions and oh well what's happening with brooke lopez okay is the defense going to figure it out let's wait for the trade deadline all right let's see what happens and now we're here and there's 20 games left to the postseason i was like okay well it's probably time to try and figure things out here down the stretch you mentioned javon carter and deandre bembry and i i would say that i have been on the low end of the scale when it comes to excitement for what they can bring to this team and like i said doesn't mean that they're not going to play. It doesn't mean that I'm writing them off as they can do anything. But you pointed to it. And I think we did see tonight at least the idea. And Bud was very complimentary of Javon Carter in particular. I mean, the post game tonight of what their job will be. And it'll be be a massive pain in the ass on the defensive end. And then maybe you can get a corner three. Javon Carter hit a couple of corner threes. John Jake Bembry found the ball on a couple of cuts to the basket. But it's going to be a minimalized role. But to me... The guy that I'm looking at that is being pretty well entrenched in the rotation, and we know that his minutes have been up, and certainly the Pat Connaughton injury is a big part of that. But what's up with Wes Matthews? Because when I look at Javon Carter and DeAndre Bembry, and it's not that they're like for like, and it's not that they're the exact same player, but when you were talking about minutes that need to be replaced and who comes into the rotation, it's been a pretty lengthy period now of Wes Matthews not really shooting the ball well and just kind of being a guy out there getting that 20 to 25 minutes a night. He had a great start to his time with the Bucks here and had some good moments, but I would say it's been pretty flat ever since. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when he was shooting 45% from three, it was like, well, he's probably not going to be doing this all the time. Um, I mean, I, I do think fundamentally he kind of unlocks, you know, especially when the Bucks do go to more of a switching scheme. Um, yeah. You know, he does give them a different look that I, I don't know that any of the other guys do. Um, and you know, Bembry does more stuff with the ball. He's better ball handler, better cutter, you know, more athletic um, in that regard on offense. But, you know, he's not, again, his corner, you know, his three-point shooting this year notwithstanding. I mean, he, I, I, let's just say this. I'd, I'd rather have, you know, Wes Matthews spotting up for a quick release three than, than DeAndre Bembry. Um, and it's kind of interesting because it's like, you know, there was a lot of, like after the Nets game, there were, I, I saw a lot of talk about like, oh, well, the Bucks are really missing Connaughton and, you know, George Hill and all this. And it's just like, yeah, but like, and I mean, you brought it up, but it's like, guys, the Nets don't have freaking KD and Ben Simmons. <laughs> like, you can't be, I mean, you're not wrong, but like, you can't be blaming losses on, you know, the, the six-man bench guys that you're missing when the other team's missing way more dudes. And in theory, you think you're better than that team regardless. So, um, 
And I thought, honestly, I mean, I thought Wes, I mean, I, I actually looked at it because I, mean, I think Kyrie was like three for eight in the fourth quarter. And I mean, they were kind of running that switch action to get Wes on Kyrie. I thought Wes did pretty fine on Kyrie down the stretch of that game. Um, but, you know, like you said, if he's playing, you know, 20 plus minutes, that's obviously more than I think you want him. I think you yeah. want him, you know, more situationally. Uh, you know, I think we've seen him um you know have have periods where like when he's got like a clear assignment like you know he had the nice performance against kd nice performance against steph curry um you know i thought he came out and was face guarding seth curry uh in the game before the all-star game actually pretty well um for a while as well but um you know again then this is kind of the challenge too is with guys who are 35 years old being able to bring it every night and recover and have you know that energy that we keep talking about the bucks needing um it's not always just about will you know it's some of it's just like can your body let you do the things that you know you probably took for granted when you were 25 26 years old at the age of 35 so i think wes is one of those interesting guys that's sort of like an x factor like i i think it's it'd be foolish to say like oh i expect wes matthews is going to be a really big rotation guy for the bucks every series of the playoffs now that's probably asking a lot i think could he though be you know a useful situational player um that plays every series and some series you may be like oh man we got to survive these minutes versus other series he actually may be you know important just because of specific matchups that he's able to contribute to and because maybe his that three-point shot is falling that that's probably what i would say is like my maybe slightly optimistic view of wes um but again you know you look at kind of where he is shooting the ball um month of february eight games 20 percent three-point shooting um tonight i think he was over three so that's going to go down further December 48%, January 32%, 20% in the month of February. So, yeah, I mean, offensively, if the three-point shot isn't going down, he's obviously not not going to really do much of any good offensively. And, uh, you know, defensively, I think he's got a role, especially the fact that he can kind of defend power wings or at least hold keep them honest, but then also kind of guard down and, you know, kind of do face guarding and things like that. Um, but, uh, but I, I don't know. It's a good question. I think, you know, I hope he stays healthy. Um, I hope the all-star break maybe recharged him a little bit. But, you know, if the shots don't fall, then obviously his value is going to be very limited. You mentioned taking things for granted. One thing I don't take for granted is the price of car parts at rockauto.com. Because we I've always know, said that about you. I've always said that about you, Kane. That's what everyone says. The first time they yeah. see me as well, they're like, this guy looks like a, a he knows cars. And uh, the one thing I do know, though, is that you can save time and money when using rockauto.com our friends and long time sponsors of this podcast so i don't know why you would choose to spend 30 percent, 50 percent, or even 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can just sit here on your butt on the couch and go to rockauto.com and you'll be set got an example for you here we have a honda odyssey fuel pump which is 353 bucks from a chain store you can get it for 216 at rockauto.com so i mean it's it, it's it's honestly really simple guys so just go to rockauto.com right now and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so we're giving a lot of plugs to uh Zach Lowe tonight, but I'm going to continue doing that. And this continues our conversations about lineups. And uh, I know we discussed this a lot last year, and this was the big sort of piece, I guess, 
with the PJ Tucker trade was the conversation at the start of the season where Zach Lowe was like, I just don't know who's, who's the Bucks' best lineup. I don't know who the, the Bucks are going to close games with. Now, obviously, you brought in PJ Tucker and it opened up a lot of avenues, but you knew that you had a guy that, okay, this guy will be in the closing lineup because defensively, you can really do whatever you want if you have PJ Tucker in the lineup. Now, of course, that there's health question marks to this, but I will say that I do think the Bucks are in a situation where they've got a bunch of guys that you're like, okay, maybe in a certain situation they can be on the floor, but they don't have the fourth or fifth guy, depending on what happens with Brooke, that you're like, every single night, he's in the closing lineup. And I had a bunch of people after the Brooklyn game, some in the YouTube comments, some on Twitter, and they're saying, you know, why would Grayson Allen only play 22 minutes? Why is his minutes down? And then when you look at the box score of that game and you see that Wesley Matthews played 28, I think that what you were just discussing in terms of the defensive versatility, the fact that if they were trying to get Kyrie Irving in a matchup, you would prefer Wesley Matthews than Grayson Allen on the floor. That's the reality. So Grayson Allen is not a guy that you're going to be able to rely on to be in every single lineup in a playoff series. It's just not going to be the case. Wesley Matthews, maybe. Pat Connaughton, you probably trust a little bit more than you do most guys. George Hill is a little bit older, so what's he even got left in the tank? You got Bembry, you got Carter. But the point is that I just don't think that the Bucs really know right now. But I'm not sure that there's going to be an answer that comes to the table here in the next few weeks. Of course, you hope that Brooke is you know, magically there. But other than that, it's just going to be a whole lot of shuffling the decks. Yeah, I mean, it... It puts a lot of pressure, I think, on on Bud to dial up the right lineups because you're just not going to have that like default like, well, these are our five, and you know these are the guys who who are closing. Now, I would say, you know, unless you have like a dominant center, like okay, the Sixers are always finishing with a big man, the Nuggets are always finishing with a true center. Um, but for the Bucks, I mean, even as good as Brook Lopez was, he wasn't always closing games, right? Depending sure. on. Um, the types of of opponents that you know the types of lineups that opponents are running out there. So, um, so there even in Woodbrook is healthy. I think there was always sort of that question about you know were you going big or were you going with with Giannis at the five? And obviously the big difference this year is that there's also this question about you know again the TJ spot the the, the PJ Tucker spot. Um, and I think a simple answer would be like well if Pat Connaughton's healthy then you want Pat Connaughton out there again different type of player of, than PJ. He's obviously not as strong not as good of a rebounder and kind of, you know, able to, to muscle up against bigger guys, but Pat's obviously, you know, a much more dynamic above the break three point shooter. Um, and, you know, still has pretty good, you know, reasonable, well, reasonable quickness. I think showed throughout the playoffs last year that, you know, he was a guy that you could count on to make big shots and kind of hold his own defensively enough, which to be honest, I think that was one of the things that when he first signed that contract, you know, it was kind of like, uh, like he's just not quite good enough defensively, to be out there in those key situations. And I think we saw last year that, you know, he showed he could be. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I think Pat is sort of an, an obvious answer of the guy that like, you'd say like, yeah, Pat, Pat deserves to be kind of part of that closing group. Um, but, you know, even so like the bucks have enough depth that there's a lot of guys that you could squint at and say, well, you know, if the opposing team has, you know, two good guards, then two, two good small guys. And like, well, maybe George Hill's, in the backcourt next to Drew Holiday. They've played very well together this year. You know, if you need uh, the big guy, even if Brooks not around, okay, maybe Serge Ibaka is part of that group. But that's the problem, right, is that you're basically yeah. forcing the coach to be reactive and to dial up lineups and schemes based on his personnel, based on what the other team is doing, and you're not able to kind of dictate that, right? And, of course, but is not unique in that every coach would much rather just have, like, these are our five best dudes, 
we're rolling with them, they're versatile enough, they're gonna force you to be the one to adapt to them rather than you having to adapt to the other team. I think right now, just the problem is the Bucks don't have that answer necessarily. I think we've seen that Wes has been a guy that Bud has been confident going into, going to late when, especially when they're running kind of these switch everything schemes. Um, but again, I don't think anybody's gonna sit here and say they're like, oh, problem solved. Like playoff rotation, we're good. Crunch time lineup, done, right? Um, is it is everything okay in your house, uh, Frank? I, I have a I have a a, a fourteen year old pug that is pissed <laughs> off at me. I c- couldn't sure. I wasn't sure if you could you could hear that. You want me to I, hear? Why don't you Why don't you go bite bite some time? I'm gonna go get this dog. I just wanted to make sure that people uh, understood what was going on there because I could also hear that noise in the background, and uh, I was a little bit concerned about what was going on in Frank's house. So anyway, uh, I will say. Uh, Frank's good friend, his boy Q, and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Uh, you make sure you check them out on the Locked On Bets podcast after you're done listening to Locked On Bucks. Those guys will help you out if you're into that type of thing. Frank sits down, uh, pug in hand. Hopefully, hopefully he's in the in a better mood. There he is. Look at me. Yeah, this, Look at is, this is Blanche. 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 Uh, Blanche is a rescue. She doesn't have use of her hind legs, so. Um, she's in a cart some of the time, but then she can't really sit down in their little cart because her hind legs don't work. So we put her in a little dog bed. And then when she's like, like, dude, give me some water. Or I don't know. Maybe she had takes on who the bucks, you know, closing fourth and fifth guys could be. Maybe she didn't like my Wes Matthews takes. I don't know. Um, she lets you hear about it. She's got probably the most annoying like yelp of any dog I've ever had. So, so yeah, this is Blanche. She's kind of like Dante DiVincenzo scooting around the bench, <laughs> scooting around the bench during the NBA playoffs last year. Uh, Blanche and Dante, but Blanche isn't getting traded. That's the one thing we know for sure. I mean, this this dog was a this dog was a, a rescue, was a foster. She was technically available for adoption for like two years, and let's just say the 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 adoption market was not strong for for Blanche. Um, you would have had to you would have had to attach multiple first round picks to this dog to get somebody to, to take this, this dog, this is, this dog is a uh, low value, but we, we got her now. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to be with her until the very end. She's looks like she's doing well. That's the man thing. Uh, Frank, I'm not sure if you noticed or you saw this news today, a couple of major transactions across the NBA. looks like Deandre Jordan is going to be joining the Philadelphia 76ers, which will send fear through everyone in Milwaukee Bucks land. And the other move, DJ Augustine, is going to save the Los Angeles Lakers. What do you feel about uh, Bucks legend DJ Augustine? It, it's just so fun. I, I think we all need to like thank the Lakers because you know any any team that's had any struggles this year or like the Bucks. I mean, finally, people are like catching on to the Bucks. Like, nah, not really playing that great. Uh, feels like the last week that people have been sort of like, "What's going on with the Bucks?" Which is fair, right? Um, but Shout out to the Lakers because you can just always count on <laughs> the national media to latch on to how depressing and bad and, and, you know, cruddy the Lakers are and whatever drama is happening there always seems to get magnified uh, a few times over. So shout out to the Lakers. We hear about them too much. We shouldn't hear about them as much as we do. Um, but uh, it's kind of fun when they, when they suck, it's actually kind of fun. Um, and I don't, I don't like hate LeBron or anything like that, but, um, but there's something enjoyable about just, you know, Bucks beating the crap of the Lakers and the rest of the league just sort of 
taking out uh, taking out years of pent up annoyance and frustration on uh, on those big market teams. That that's the thing, right? Like we complain about big market teams, but when they're down, they're fun to to kick when they're down, you know. So no doubt. Um, although I feel like the Knicks aren't as fun to kick anymore because they've just been down for so long. But Lakers still pretty fun to kick when they're down. So Giannis just tweeted step by step hashtag build good habits, and tonight at least the Bucks got a win. And that's a positive. Bucks step. are Bucks are over five hundred in the calendar year twenty twenty two again. Yay! They were twelve and twelve coming into this game, which I was tweeting about earlier. Uh, coming tonight, twelve and twelve. Fifteen of those twenty four games in in this calendar year have been at home. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's not ideal. Toughest toughest schedule in the league coming up. So um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how things go. Uh, we'll give they'll hopefully they'll at least give us lots to talk about. Kane. All, so they, all, all they do is win. All the Bucks do is win. Uh, every second game at the moment since the turn of the new year. Anyway, all right, let's leave it there. Bucks in the heat in a couple of days for Frank, myself, Blanche. and Blanche, Blanche waving Blanche on the camera. Another reason to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.